Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. I, if I sound different this week, it's because I'm in Miami, baby. Oh, and my name is Ryan Broderick. Hi. Uh, uh, my name is Luke Bailey, and if I sound this different this week, it's because I have COVID. Okay, that is wild, and I am very glad for the first time ever that we record remotely. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's jump into the show with that icebreaker. So welcome to the Content Minds. This week, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm in Miami. I'm here for Bitcoin 2022, uh, which is the biggest Bitcoin conference in the world. And uh, I, I'm here all week. The conference doesn't start for a couple more days. So this week, we're going we're gonna to do part two, because I, I think I announced... Uh, we're doing a crypto series, basically. So now we're going to do, we're gonna do I'm in Miami, and we're going to talk about why crypto bros are obsessed with Miami. I think this is part two of our crypto series. And then next week, uh, I'll tell you all about the conference after I've, I've gone through it. First, Luke, how's having COVID? <laughs> yeah, 800, 825 days I made it. Really? Which, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, particularly in the UK, that's got to be getting towards like the high numbers. Like, that's a lot of days not out. You, but, you did yeah. really well. So how do you feel? Um, I felt pretty lousy yesterday. I feel like better today. It's quite a weird disease. Like clearly everyone gets sick different symptoms, but I got uh like yesterday I had a little of weird like muscle ache and pains, mm. which I was like I've not had that from like a flu or a cold before, which was interesting. Do you have the feeling that I've been describing as bad pills? Like no, you just I, like I've you not, just took bad pills at a club. I've not had the brain stuff like at all. Oh, okay. So Well, yeah, you know, touch wood. So, so not eagle-eyed, but eagle-eared listeners, you can go back through our archives, and there's definitely an episode I recorded uh, in the absolute fog of COVID. Uh, I'm not going to say when. I want to see if someone can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I powered through it. Yeah, I, I, I also have, have been the kind of person where, like, I'm not seeing a lot of people on a normal basis anyways, so, like, when I get COVID, I'm not going to, like, go tweet about it, because I feel like that's, like, a whole weird thing that I don't want anything to do with. The whole like, hi guys, I'm a verified Twitter user and I have COVID. Here's what I've learned. And it's like, come yeah. on, man. Like, it's like everyone gets COVID. It's like yeah. tweeting as though you have a cold, like whatever. Yeah, like exactly. No, I did. I did. When I when I actually tested for it, which I, I got round to, because I, I woke up on Monday and I was like, oh, yeah, this is COVID. No, it's, this is absolutely 100% it. Like I didn't even bother to test at that point. And then I finally, because we now, we now have to pay for our tests, like some sort of third world country or America. Yeah, so, so I tested for it, uh, and I've never. I don't think like I thought the test was broken. It came up with COVID so quickly. Like, oh, really? So you got like a heavy dose of COVID? Yeah, you know how everyone's doing that thing where it's like oh, it's very gently fading in, or they get to yeah. ten minutes, like oh, there's a faint line. It was just like like the water hadn't even the end. The water, the liquid, hadn't even like hit the end of the tab yet, and it was already bright red. And I was like, wow. oh, cool, that is that is that is COVID, right? Good for you. So, yeah. You know. If you're going to do it after 800, wait, how many days did you say? 800, 825 days. That can't be how many days we've had the pandemic. Is that true? That, well, that's the day since, since COVID-19 was first identified, which was the 31st of uh, 20, 31st December 2019. Oh, you're, okay. Well, 
All right, I don't think you could. When did it first come to the UK? You think? Uh, I think our first case was like mid. No, our first case was I think the very last day of January. Like it was well, on the thirty first of January. I think if you're going to be, you know, banding about that statistic, you should probably start there. But at the same time, it is also kind of blowing my mind that we've had eight hundred days of COVID nineteen existing on the on the earth. Yeah, that it was the thir- it was the thirtieth of January. So fine. In that case, you can have seven hundred and. 799 days. Hey, no editing there, no, guys. He just did that live, that math, which I, there's no way I could have done that. That was amazing. But, but please don't you. check it because I have COVID and I could easily oh, be wrong. Fair enough. Well, you could have brain fog and have so much brain fog, you have no idea that you have brain fog. Yeah, exactly. Before we get to our big segment, which is once again, uh, why crypto bros are obsessed with Miami. Uh, hey, Luke, how was the internet this week? That's an interesting question that I had not considered you asking me up until this, literally this this moment. I've never asked it to you before. No, so, no. You know. um, the internet this week has felt, I don't know, a little tired, a little run down. We're definitely in uh, post slap hangover. That's that's true. That's that's real. Yeah, and I think I think also the Ukraine news has has turned a corner, uh, which I think has yes, yeah, like it's become much darker, uh, much harder to sort of find the inspirational viral moments. I think it's it's definitely a new phase of like the global understanding of it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um yeah, it's been like kind of unpleasant to watch and pleasant to know it's happening, unpleasant to see and, and just yeah, just horrifying for people on the ground. Like so yeah, I, I do think that has kind of set the internet into a slightly weird place. Yeah. Also, you know, it's the summer of Morbius now officially. To, to change the tone of this episode drastically from what you were talking about. I and mean, that's also quite dark. Morbius? Yeah, he's the darkest superhero ever. He, he, he dares ask the question, what if a vampire was good, which has never been shown on screen before. Yeah, I mean, it also asks the question of uh, what if Jared Leto was bad, which it turns out everyone has been asking for a very long time. <laughs> it turns out a lot of people have been asking that. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then also, uh, worst of all, uh, Elon Musk now runs Twitter, I guess, uh, according yeah, to... Yeah, that's fun. That's... I don't know if that's good or bad at this point. I don't either. I actually, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I think he's done a very good job over the years of like masking his political wants and desires through shit posting and like just being a, a, a piece of shit that like I couldn't really sit down and be like, okay, here's probably what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter. Like, I, I can't really connect those dots. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to put together his like political philosophy, it is he should be allowed to do whatever he wants. He doesn't like people telling him he can't do things. Yeah. And he doesn't like people telling him he's wrong. Yeah. But I don't see how you turn that into a tech platform other than, I don't know, someone someone tweeted a thing about the idea, uh, or someone wrote a thing that was then put on Twitter, I think, was the way around it worked. The idea that Elon Musk would just demand all his tweets being a larger font than everyone else's. Yeah, like one, pot, one, like one point bigger, basically. Yeah, exactly. Or like everyone can change the fonts of their... Thing manually but only if you have a certain nft can you get your into certain font and he has one nft that means he's the only person who gets that one font or something stupid like that but i assume that they're not going to do that because he's also not an idiot like he's dumb but he's not an idiot if that makes sense that does make sense i, I mean i assume he's going to use it for market manipulation first and foremost having sort of unfettered access to whatever back end of twitter he he, he he sort of gets and we should be clear like he's not like he's now on the board which means that he can't 
I was trying to read up on this this morning. He's been added to the to Twitter's board, which then stops him from trying to do like some sort of takeover of the whole site. Yeah, well, it's, I don't think he. It's, it's, again, it's like I don't think he wants that. The stuff no. is a plaything to him. So no one, no one wants Twitter. Not even people who have like a financial stake in Twitter want to deal with Twitter. No. Uh, here's an interesting one. Five years is uh, the price of Twitter going to be more stable, or the price of Bitcoin going to be more stable? That's a great question, you know? Like, okay, um, actually, no, it's more interesting. If you had, like, $1,000, where would you be putting your money? Uh, I'm going to... S- not financial advice. Not financial advice. This is not financial advice. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there, there are other things to invest in that aren't Bitcoin or Twitter. No, that's it. Those are the only two things in the whole world. Uh, I, Wait, I, no, hang on, hang on. Bitcoin or Twitter or Tesla? Or Tesla? Yeah. I assume all three will... Like create like hit some sort of value event horizon where they're just like worth the same amount because they are essentially indistinguishable from each other. Because already Tesla and Bitcoin are 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 they they essentially move together or even unless it's like kind of like an inverse, right? But like the value of Tesla is largely derived from crypto trading at this point. So like they don't really do. Well, that's not true. It's it's also uh, derived from Twitter. Oh, and subsidies. Subsidies, but also Twitter. Like the stock price of of, of uh, Tesla is very heavily linked to Twitter and how viral it is at that any one time. That is true. So in many in many in many ways, Elon Musk has just bought the the raw materials that determine the Tesla's share price. Yeah, I, to, to actually answer your question seriously, what what I sort of think Elon Musk has kind of figured out, and you know, I don't want to give him a lot of credit because, like, yeah, he's like a smart guy, but he's not like a smart guy. You know what I mean? He's like a sharky man who seems to like kind of understand like. The, the way towards power in the modern world it totally helps to start with uh, with a blood diamond mine owned by your family. Emeralds. Emeralds, I'm sorry. But I do think he understands like the value of a good story and the value of like viral power. And I, and I think that like over the last two years, he's been experimenting more and more with trying to connect the levers of virality to the levers of financial capital. And so I think that like, He's already been doing that with cryptocurrency and Tesla stock. And I think I think this move to sort of like have more of a thumb on Twitter is like the company is a, is a move to further those ambitions to sort of like he's already figured out that like if he takes memes off the top of Reddit's are all and then posts them on Twitter, he can like get a lot of attention and then use that attention to do stuff that makes him money. So I assume that like this process that he's been building will be just become more formalized and aggressive now that he can like have more of a say in the, the, the direction of Twitter. Yeah. And I don't even know that he thinks he knows that that's what he's doing. No, I, I think I assume he's like a big baby. Like I, I don't actually. Well, think I mean, he I, think, has... I think it's like everyone. It's you figure out the incentives, and then the incentives do a thing that you like, and you don't necessarily think about the process by which you know stuff goes in, stuff comes out. You like that stuff, you keep putting the stuff in the end, and then it works. The only people who you know are cynical enough to understand how content works on that level are you and me. <laughs> That's yeah, more, it. That's the whole show. More, more, we did more, it. More cynical than Elon Musk. He's not an amazing place to that, be we did it we did it we we, we defined the whole show yeah I don't, I, I don't know i don't know if he'll I, it's it's very tricky because it's also kind of a he's locked his own account in like he can never be kicked off twitter now which i do think is kind of interesting and i suspect at some point he will have a disagreement with the board and attempt to do that especially as he becomes more vocal about certain conservative political positions He's waved kind of randomly at things like pronouns or uh, abortion rights. He, mm. he, he's, but he's, he's, he's extremely good at sort of like, okay, 
if his Twitter account was an out of control Tesla that has started to speed up for no reason, he's very good at like letting the out of control Tesla that he's in just like grind against the guardrail for like miles as he just, but, but never fully crashing. That's him politically, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't really have a, I was just thinking he, he kind of is like everyone tries to define him on, on a normal scale of right to left or whatever, but I don't, I think he more is just kind of like a narco capitalist basically. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I don't think if you game, game down to it, he'd want like hate speech on Twitter, but he is like annoyed when someone he's specifically interested in is banned, even if he thought that they were gross and load of weights or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like monarchy stuff, you know. It's like yeah. the king doesn't really have a political position other than whatever benefits him. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just quite enough. I don't think I ever heard him express like a political take on anything. Not not nothing fully formed enough to stick to him. That's that's like his no. skill, actually, in a certain way. Which I don't want to. Once again, I don't want to give him any credit, but like, I think that's also why he's such catnip for like a certain kind of like leftist activist because he is like the definition of like the other kind of crypto fash. You know, like yeah, he he's he's impossible to nail down. So like, it's just very easy to constantly speculate and like be suspicious of his every move and like you should be because he's the wealthiest man on earth and like he like his wealth shouldn't exist but it's very hard to nail down what he wants to do politically if anything other than just make more money and go to the go to mars yeah exactly it's it's yeah it's very odd and i I, like he's clearly not a force for good in the world but as an evil billionaire he could do a lot worse like if you're actually gonna like run the numbers on some total net total of human misery caused. Yeah, assuming you're adding like you know maximum amount of misery, i.e., they've killed someone or whatever, versus minimum amount of misery that it's just like they've made someone's day slightly worse. Jeff Bezos is probably worse. Oh, much worse person. I think we can all agree Jeff Bezos is a is a well. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's the worst person. Elon Musk has done a lot of bad shit, but I think I think Jeff Bezos is like a truly evil psychopath. Yeah, and he's but he's evil in a very acceptable way, where it's an understandable way. Yeah, he's hanging around. He's basically just solved a load of logistics problems, and he's solved them by making an awful lot of people incredibly miserable. But yes. he has technically solved them. But yeah, it's yeah some total of misery. Whereas Elon Musk has. I don't know, done some, a, a small number of very bad things to a small number of people, but has mostly just been annoying. Well, there's all kinds of allegations of like overwork and like racist, toxic work environments at Tesla factories. And yeah, but like 14 people work at Tesla because they all keep getting fired and then saying, thank you, Elon. Oh, that's true. Well, th- either that or the one, the, the one who recently got fired for making a YouTube video about him that he didn't like. Yeah, but exactly. Those are relatively minor. Amazon is running out of workers in the US because it's already employed everyone has to it needs to go around again. Yes. Which and yeah, like makes them pee people. in bottles or like die in a tornado. So yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a truly evil thing. I agree. Speaking of uh the uh the evils of capitalism and politics, I hear your country is launching an NFT line. That's very <laughs> exciting. We are. We are launching an the UK is launching an NFT. There is very little information alongside it other than a single tweet uh chance the rishi Sun- oh god it's one of these it's one of these tweets where it makes the uk sound like just an embarrassing medieval country yes sound like yes um, a majesty's treasury said that chancellor rishi Sunak has asked the royal mint to create an nft which yeah i mean the royal mint isn't really anything it's like it does coinage it's kind of not a major thing the treasury is is treasury that's a thing and the chance is like a thing but 
there's no information on it beyond that. And it was released on April the 4th uh, in the afternoon. And there's a genuine question over whether like someone like messed up the, the scheduling of an April Fool's tweet. Oh. And now they just have to style it out. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, I okay. think that's what's happened, but it does seem like a, a non, like a non-zero percent possibility. So here's a question I have. If the UK made an NFT, what would it look like? I mean, the UK government is making one, which means yeah. it's going to be incredibly boring. What like, if it's like... Be, what if it's like a sausage roll? It'll have it'll have the queen's face on it. Of course, it'll have the queen's face. It's on a it. queen's face on a sausage roll with arms and legs, sca- like not skateboarding because that's not really a no, British. Thing. No, because all of our public projects are awful. Like that's that's kind of the the problem. They're all incredibly boring. We never have any interesting. So the actual NFT will be like a, the queen's face. What the NFT should be, I mean, we're assuming we're going to do a like bored ape style. Yeah, thing I'm here, thinking like right? cor- like corgis, but they're doing balloons. Like they're huffing nitrous. I mean, like the fundamental defining characteristic of the UK, I think, is white men over the age of 60 who vote Tory and somehow own everything. Oh, like a landlord NFT? Yeah, exactly. A landlord <laughs> NFT. <laughs> so, like, a, like, a, like a big, fat, bald guy. Well, no, like, no. Sometimes he's fat. Sometimes he's bald. Like he's the only universal things. Oh, those are different. Those are different attributes of yeah, the landlord. Exactly. Lots of different. Got to have lots of different attributes. Okay, so I think it should be a humanoid corgi that's clearly pissed its pants from huffing too much nitrous at a house party. I mean, sure, but that's like it's it's the <laughs> land. The landlord's the definition because the landlord owns the flat in which the corgi was huffing nitrous. <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah. I think. I think you could also well you could also take your landlord your your, your landlord NFT and you can mutate it with a, uh, a a Heinz can of beans NFT to give it a full English that it's like so like it, it, the you know how like board apes can do you think, mutate do you, th- do you think we eat landlords is that is that what's no I'm saying here? I'm saying you give your landlord a beans NFT and then it mutates into a sunburned landlord eating a full English in a Spanish seaside town in 90-degree weather. Like oh, a so photo of that. So, like, landlords abroad. Right. It becomes, a landlord, ab- <laughs> it becomes a landlord abroad when you give it, like, a, uh, when you mutate it with the beans NFT. Right. And they're all in different countries with, like, varying levels of uncomfortableness of why they're there. Yeah, like, and, like... Horribly sunburned in like a in like a white polo shirt, and it's sweating. Like, oh, oh, this 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 one's in Thailand, and he hasn't called his family for a week. Okay. Oh yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, this, this one. This... We're not saying anything on beyond that. We're just we're just saying he's in Thailand. And he hasn't called his family, for a week. and it could be doing anything. <laughs> yeah, your country's fucked. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the horrors of my country. Uh, let's talk about. Crypto Bros and Miami. I like that you're wearing a Miami style shirt for this segment. Hell yeah, dude. I have to wear like fun colors in Miami. Um, so, okay. So to start off, Luke, how much do you know about the crypto community's obsession with the city of Miami? Um, I mean, the, the, 
I feel like the US has a very specific relationship with Miami in that it is both a place where everyone wants to go and everyone wants to leave at the same time. Interesting. Say more about that. Well, that's broadly my understanding of it because it means that, you know, whenever you see people kind of the idea that they would go to Miami, it also seems like a place that no one would ever actually want to be for an extended period of time. Like, but not like a holiday city, like a, not, not like, okay, it's like what Vegas was in like the mid 80s, where it just had like slightly too much danger to be fun. And what you did there always went like three steps too far, rather than modern day Las Vegas, where nothing is fun, everything costs money, and somehow you, you end up less drunk than when you started. So I will say, I think you're wrong about Las Vegas in 2022. I think it's come all the way around again. Oh, interesting. And now it's like extremely fun because it's kind of like a cheap, like shitty place to hang out for like a weekend. Interesting. It's like it's kind of divey again in like a in like a cool way. Anyways, that's not the point of the episode. But I, I actually, uh, if anyone listening to this wants some recs on like how to have like a fun divey time in Las Vegas, <laughs> hit me up. I can let you know. So last February, the mayor of Miami tweeted basically one like two sentences, which was thinking of moving to Miami. DM me, and. Uh, then the mayor, uh, his tweet was turned into a billboard that's in Miami that was paid for by a bunch of tech investors. Sure. The mayor's name is Francis Suarez, and he was really the first crypto mayor of America. Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York, is now another crypto mayor. And there's basically now like this weird arms race happening in like a bunch of different American cities to become the, the, the new Silicon Valley for crypto. The reason this is happening is stupid and almost like kind of random, but it, it, it seems to be that like like a lot of things with Web3, a bunch of people decided that this was the future, and then a bunch of people decided that this future should f- fall in line exactly like the history of the internet up to this point. So everyone decided like, okay, like new internet, we need a new, sil- we need a new Silicon Valley. And so now that a bunch of cities just decided to start competing to be that new Silicon Valley, it also helps that like people are kind of like priced out of uh, San Francisco. It's it's like a tough place to live, um, but Miami's not any easier to live because like Miami Beach is literally sinking, like because it can't support the amount of real estate that's happening on the island. I mean, also climate change. Also climate change. So the the crypto mayors, as they're called, uh, there's another one, uh, Scott Conger, uh, the mayor of Jackson, Tennessee. Like they're all doing these things where they're taking their salaries in cryptocurrency and they're making bold claims about what they can do for the blockchain community. And I sort of see it as like a two way scam where the the crypto people are like, oh great, like we could just come to these cities and like you know raise them to the ground. And then the crypto mayors are like, great, I can like basically let these like really rich people exploit my community for a while. And then we like get some headlines about it. And that's I mean, sort I mean, of I, where I, that relationship I'm assu- is. I'm assuming those mayors are also thinking in terms of tax revenue, which is weird because that's kind of not the point of crypto. No. And, and that, well, it, what's even more interesting is actually in Brazil, they, uh, Rio de Janeiro announced that you get a tax break if you, if you own Bitcoin. Uh, sure. Okay. If you agree to pay your taxes in Bitcoin, you'll, you'll get a tax break. That is Okay. I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, that's almost worse than what uh, El Salvador was doing. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of it where the the belief in Bitcoin as a crypto scheme is basically that it goes up, then it crashes, but then it goes up to a higher point, and then it crashes again, then it goes up to an even higher point, and crashes again. And just at some point, it's not going to go back up. Well, okay. Like, that is the fundamental belief in this, because, you know, at some point, if everyone has crypto, you then have all the problems of just regular inflation. 
So it has well, to remain yeah. a secondary currency or it doesn't work. I have which asked case, this why question. Do we, why do we do this? Okay. I have asked this question to a lot of crypto investors where I'm just like, when does it stop doing this? Like, And the answer they all like to give is basically just that like they see themselves as buying a bunch of the new currency that will eventually just be the currency. That's like, that's the diehards. The diehards think that like, okay, Bitcoin will replace everything. And if I buy a bunch of Bitcoin now, then I will, I will have the new currency. Although I don't understand what I don't understand about that is like, if you have like five Bitcoins, like, is it just like, like that's not a, like that wouldn't be a lot of the new currency. So unless, no, like, this is what I don't understand. Like, wouldn't it make more sense for Bitcoin's value to go down? Everyone buys a ton of it and then we all agree to use it. Like, why Like, why are we speculating on making a Bitcoin like worth too much to even give to anybody? That makes it worthless. It make, that actually does, in, in a certain way, make it worthless because you can't use it for anything. Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, I'm trying to think, in my, think through in my head how if you had Bitcoin, for example, and like everyone used Bitcoin and it was the only thing we used, but that we had a at that point, we would have mined so much of it that it would have effectively become a finite resource. Right. Right. Because it eventually will end. There, there, will, there will eventually be a point where all the Bitcoin is mined. And then. Well, I, I mean, I don't, technically, I don't think it, that will happen because it will just mine in smaller and smaller chunks. So it's like, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a. Oh, you know what it is? It's like Zeno's paradox. Talk it through. I okay. mean, I, obviously, I'm familiar with what you're talking about, but sure. there okay, might be people yeah. in the audience that aren't. So. Go with me. What's faster, a rabbit or a tortoise? Well, uh, depends on what kind of Tesla they're driving, I suppose. Give me the question, man. (laughs) Well, okay. Does the tortoise want it more? They both want an equal amount. Uh, Well, I'm going to say the I'm going to say the the tortoise. Well, come on, yes and this man. Come on. (laughs) What do you? I am yes anding. What are you saying? What is faster? What is faster, a tortoise or a rabbit? I guess a rabbit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What if you give the tortoise a one meter head start and the race is, let's say, 100 meters? Okay, so hold on. This is getting very complicated. It's so, not going to be complicated. Answer it in the most basic <laughs> way. <laughs> I think the rabbit would still be faster. Right. But what about this? Let's say the rabbit is 10 times as fast as the tortoise. So the tortoise has gone 10 meters. So, sorry. So the rabbit goes 10 meters. Hang on. Sorry. So the rabbit, the, 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 the tortoise gets a meter head start. The rabbit goes a meter to catch up with the tortoise. Uh-huh. But the tortoise, by that time, has moved a tenth of the difference again. So the tortoise is then a meter and ten centimeters away. So the rabbit goes another ten centimeters, but then the tortoise has moved on another centimeter. So the rabbit moves on another centimeter. By that time, the tortoise has gone one centimeter forward. So the rabbit can never overtake the tortoise. And that's what you're saying is the price of that's Bitcoin. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's price of Bitcoin. Well, the mining of Bitcoin. It will just get smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it's just nonsensical. I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, but but in that in that in environment, basically, what you're saying is okay. We have a finite amount of Bitcoin or gold or whatever it is. What then happens if oil then costs more Bitcoins? Because we've we're low on oil, right? And then I'm trying to figure that out and kind of work that back. And I think the only answer is that everything else becomes cheaper. Like that I, seems I, like how it would work. Like, I genuinely if, don't know. Yeah, I have no idea how that would work. Yeah, because you can't you can't devalue the Bitcoin basically. No, you can't because it's it's stuck that way. So Miami has tried to do their own cryptocurrency. They had Miami Coin. It didn't do well. <laughs> it it sort of flopped. Miami Coin was kind of a non-starter, but it's like part of this like massive push from both cities and like different governments around the world to try to figure out how to use this stuff. And like it's not going well. But what's also really interesting is that like I think a lot of 
big cities like Miami see it as a way to sort of like wrestle some power and sovereignty into some sort of like weird city state. And like, you know, it also aligns with like the weird libertarian politics of Florida. So that is, that is why Miami has sort of become the capital of crypto in America, sort of. Um, and I was here last year actually for, for several days and like there's Bitcoin ATMs, you can see them on the street, which is super weird. I, I would never use one because that just sure. seems like a really dumb idea. But then also, like, you know, you'll be in a bar or restaurant and like people will just be talking about Ethereum. They'll be talking about crypto. It's like a very weird vibe that like honestly kind of reminds me of like the very, very early boom days of like like digital media in like the early 2010s where like you would like be in New York or London and people would just be talking about something on the internet. But here it's like them talking about like fintech, which is super strange because I can't imagine anything more boring than that. In fact, I listened to two guys on the plane today flying down with me talk at length about the Brave browser, which is like a it's a browser that every time you view an ad in the browser, you mine crypto coins. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds very, very uh, exciting. But what, what I would like to try to figure out this week while I'm here, and I'd love to your thoughts on this, is like. What will that do to a city when it becomes the center of like blockchain stuff in America? Like, like where does it go from here? Well, as in, where does it go from where it is right now? Because I don't really think it is. I don't know if it is anywhere. I don't know. I mean, that's the weird thing where like the mayor here has tried like very hard to make this thing stick. So Jacob Silverman in The New Republic wrote like this great piece about this last February called The Tech Bros Take Miami. And they're basically trying to build like the new Silicon Valley on a plot of land that is literally being destroyed by the, the, the climate. And they're, they're focusing on a technology that is like speeding up that process. And they're also sort of like morphing. They're like combining the, like the levers of Republican dark money and like big tech into this like really weird spooky vibe. But like, I don't know. I don't know where that goes from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the big problem with a kind of crypto Silicon Valley is that there's not all that much to invent. And I think that's going to be like a big problem with it because you ultimately are not going to be able to to like invent a, a, a new, like at the moment, no one has come up with a useful actual reason of crypto currency to exist other than it's a thing to invest in. Right. And as a result, like all of these people building this stuff are like, yeah, sure, they have a bunch of money because they can sell it at the moment, but that is not actually anything. It doesn't actually mean anything, and therefore there's no technology to attach it to, which I think is why the Silicon Valley for crypto thing isn't really working. Which means where it goes from here, I don't know, because I don't... It's hard to see how it got to this point. Like, it's hard to see <laughs> the things that drove it, other than a bunch of people had some money that they thought was a get-rich-quick scheme. And at some point, that scheme is going to stop being a get-rich-quick scheme and become either a get-rich-slow scheme or a get broke fast scheme uh one of the two and then at that point it's like okay so what what do we do i don't know what are we doing here why why is, does any of this exist so all the stuff we've been talking about the, the mayor making these moves to like become the crypto capital of the u.s like the the twitter billboards like all this crazy bullshit that was all happening last year at the height of the meme stocks the GameStop, like the the, the sort of like populist financial digital revolution that was happening which makes this year and the, the Bitcoin convention this year kind of a huge deal because it's sort of like the make or break moment for like if this thing's going to stick. And so Bloomberg.com has a really wild uh, piece out 
uh, literally today, April 5th, titled Money, Hype, and Glitz Collide to Fuel Miami's Crypto Ambitions. The Florida city wants to be the center of the Web3 revolution. It has a long way to go. And it's basically just like this like insane... Like it, the, Here, I'm going to send you the piece. It, it, it literally... Every detail in the piece just feels like cocaine. Like the whole thing is just like this coked up pastiche of like the last 20 years of tech innovation where it's just like these like interchangeable founder guys like just talking absolute shit about like and like you know posing in front of slide decks titled Wall Street is dead. <laughs> And like the mayor of Miami is like on stage wearing like, you know, like a save by the bell looking like crypto shirt. And it just, it, it, it honestly feels it, it like last year I thought like, okay, that's kind of like a quirky weird story. This year it just feels like deeply ominous. Like it, it feels like, cause it's like to me, there's either two options here. One, this works and we create this like bizarre city state that like is heavily invested in a currency that like the U S government has no say over, which like, does that what does that turn Miami into Dubai or something like Singapore? Like what, what what happens there? And then the other the other thing is that like this all goes bust and it just sort of destroys the city. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really depends on how much is tied up in crypto. Like we are broadly speaking, crypto it's not optimists, pessimists. Yeah, pessimists. You, you me? Yeah, I would say crypto skeptics. I feel like we're, we okay, do a pretty good job of like yeah, yeah. walking through the thought process of like what Web three is, and every time a new Web three comes along, you and I talk it through, and we ultimately decide that it's like you know not as great as it sounds, but like we we do we do it in good faith, I think. Okay, so from a purely cryptic spec crypto skeptic point of view the bad version of this is crypto carries on growing for a bit gets to let's say 100k a load of people who put their money in early at, with 100k as a goal go awesome sell it all walk away of those a small percentage have got some longer term investments in it so they leave their money there but the price of it collapses they have got out loans mortgages office loans all of this stuff based on the value of this coin at which point you know someone gets a few years down the line, they're like, hey, you actually need to pay this at some point, and you're, the thing it's secured against is no longer worth anything. So they take all of it rather than taking a portion of it. But then banks have no money, so their banks are then looking at this worthless assets. And from this perspective, it's very much like the housing bubble, where people start to, rather than think of a house as a, a place to live, they start to think of it as an asset to invest in. Right. So if you're doing that, and Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin collapses, and it's even like arguably it's even worse than the housing bubble because once it collapses, collapses, collapses. I'm talking, you know, it's a hundred k and it's down to a hundred dollars. That sort of collapse, right? Then it's never going back again because no one's ever risking that again. So what you're doing is those are then they're zero, they're zeroed out, they're worthless, which means you have a load of worthless assets now, which is not just you know some houses in some suburbs that yeah are in a bad place. What that means for cities that have built you know economies on it is they're going to suddenly be hollowed out. You know, it would be like all of the, I don't know, all of the restaurants and all of the houses that restaurant workers live in. Uh, restaurants are banned overnight. Therefore, all of these stores are now empty. All of the storefronts are now empty. And all of these flats are now empty because all the restaurant workers have left, like overnight. I see what you're saying. And that means that all the other businesses that are set to cater for them, all the ones that are just making, you know, making a living, just making it work right, they've suddenly lost 10% of their workforce. So boom, they're, they're all going under as well. And, they're more, and then you get a rolling financial crisis. And that's kind of how it happens. So it really depends on how much money is tied up in this sort of stuff. Equally, if you get somewhere and it's like isolated in cities like Miami, maybe Miami has a really bad time of it. 
and then everyone else is actually okay. And then maybe a bunch of people come back to Miami because like, hey, it turns out there's a load of cheap property now because everyone owes a shit ton of money and they're trying to get these assets off their hands. So I think that makes sense. I think that's like I think I think the housing bubble is the is a, the right way to think about it because also like essentially all blockchain investment is essentially just digital landlordism to bring us back to landlords. Yeah. But here's an interesting thing to think about, and so I wanna I wanna move over to a fresh segment to 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 kick this off because I I I I think this is really interesting here, which is the impact that this might have on the world of venture capital, which is honestly the most boring sentence that's ever come out of my mouth, but I promise you, if you listen to the next segment, it will be interesting. So here, here's here's the thing, right? How like Luke, how much do you know about like how venture capital works? And I'm not asking that because I know the answer. I'm asking it because I don't know the answer. Um... I mean, venture capital is broadly, how I would define it, is putting an awful lot of money in early on the basis of very high stakes in a lot of companies, most of which are going to fail, right? but some of which are going to work. And when they work, they really, really work. And because you're in so early, you make a shit ton of money off it. And those huge successes more than carry the many, many failures. Right. So you're a company that has a lot of money and your whole job is giving that money to other people to turn that money into more money. That's essentially the world of venture capital, right? Yeah. And it effectively works for me outside like a hedge fund, but a more complicated one. Like rather than investing in stocks and saying, I'm buying 100 stocks, I assume that 90 of them won't go anywhere. Five of them will do badly, but five of them will do brilliantly. And those five will wipe out the losses and any of the rest of them. Like but you're doing it with businesses. Okay. That's what, that's what I figured. So, so here's what's really weird about this whole deal is obviously venture capitalists love cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency is right now at least like money that could be worth more money in the future. So like it's it's basically is venture capital. And so huge amounts of venture capital money are being poured into blockchain projects. And actually this this Bloomberg piece about um the the Miami crypto takeover has like this really interesting chart here. So San Francisco Bay Area was responsible from from 2019 to basically this month 426 crypto deals were made in San Francisco totaling so it's yeah was it like 12 billion dollars in crypto deals made in San Francisco yeah that's 12 billion yeah okay so then 6.9 billion in New York yep 1.6 billion in Los Angeles 1.2 billion in Albany which is kind of wild i mean that's a very suspicious one that is only based on six deals yeah who in Albany made like that's that's like that's very suspicious. Look, someone in Albany or some someone needs group to call of, the Cuomo family and ask them what they're doing. Some some group of guys who are in some sort of fraternal organization, maybe they have a business like waste management, for example, <laughs> are putting an awful lot of money in a lot of money into an untraceable uh, asset. I don't see why that's a that that's that's a suspicious. Oh, I see what happened here. The t- uh, an, uh, a crypto firm set up shop in Albany, according to cranesnewyork.com last month. Okay, so it's just literally one company. And there's, oh, wait, hold on. This is actually much more ominous than I thought. There's uh, it's it's there's like lobbying happening. That's that's what that is. Good. Okay, great. Okay. So then underneath Albany is Miami at $837 million worth of crypto deals, but uh, only 42 deals have been made in the city. So it's, it's actually not as high up really as as it, as it feels culturally 
But here's here's the question I have about about the impact this is going to have on venture capital. If all of these venture capital firms are spending all of this money on blockchain technology that kind of sucks ass and doesn't really work that well and it's kind of slow and sluggish and like kind of too expensive to use properly and doesn't work right. There's once again like two options here, which is one that like they throw enough money at the wall that it actually works and they make it happen and like make a, a new worse version of the internet that we all have to use or it fails and it sort of like decimates like an entire generation of venture capital, which like, does that free us? Does that make us like, does that make the internet better? Does that, is that, is that sort of like the no, moment where I, I mean, I doubt there are any venture capitalists who are investing solely in web in well, solely in crypto, they'll invest in other web three products and they'll hope that one of the others works. And if crypto doesn't work, Fine. Okay, so my dreams of like this decimating the entire venture capital industry are like not real. I mean, it may de- it may dent some extremely bad venture capitalists, but yeah. hey, that seems like a good thing. Because yeah, it, sure. To me, to me, it is interesting that like it could be like a poison apple for like a, a very specific kind of tech investor, and like maybe lo- in the long term, like good that they're investing in it if it's going to lose them a bunch of money. I don't know. So I just want to circle back to one thing we mentioned earlier, which was the idea of inflation and Bitcoin. Yes. Because I, I now can't get this out of my head about thinking about it. And I have gone through a bunch of resources while we've been talking, uh, in, in, and I found one that, I, as far as I understand, you know, not aligned to any side of it. Uh, so I'm assuming it's quite balanced. Uh, it's called Coinbase. I think I think they're sort of a neutral neutral arbiter. I've heard of I've heard of Coinbase. Yes. Very fair. Very fair. Very fair and balanced. Um, and their expl- explanation of Bitcoin. And I think this is, I don't know, it's so telling about what the actual end goal of everyone involved in this is. Uh, you know, even Bitcoin experiences inflation as more of it is mined every year. But because the amount of new Bitcoin is reduced, uh, Bitcoin's inflation rate will also decrease. Fine, that's true. Okay. As a practical matter, as long as Bitcoin's purchasing power continues to rise versus the fiat currencies we compa- tend to compare it to, Bitcoin's rate of inflation isn't a major factor for investors to consider. So what you're saying here is it's never going to replace them. It's just going to be compared to them. And like, this is the really fundamental issue with with Bitcoin, which is like, no one, everyone's saying, yeah, no, it's the future of currency. We don't use it as currency, obviously, but it's theoretically the future of currency. Right. That's what I don't understand. And then that's that's what's also terrifying about linking it to something like a city like Miami, because like, it could have like serious impacts it could have like a serious impact on people who lit like on the city. Like, like I, I sort of like understand why a mayor would be attracted to crypto. One, obviously you want the clout of being like, I am the mayor of the new Silicon Valley. I am the mayor of the new San Francisco. I am the mayor of the new Austin, the, the new New York city, uh, the new Las Vegas. And then the, the other thing that they, they, I, I think aren't talking about because they, they really can't talk about it, which is that like, because Bitcoin is not attached to any single government, there's a level of sovereignty and power that starts to come with that, that like is going to pretty heavily change the way we think about cities. Like we are, we're already at a point in the world where there is a whole section of people who are rich enough to basically be placeless people. They exist in a series of Ubers, Airbnbs, hotels, private planes, and and they just sort of move around the earth. And they're really and most of these people love crypto. I mean, because to be, they to be, to be fair, a bunch of them are now not allowed to leave Russia. So that is also true. Or a bunch of them cannot get back to Russia. Yeah, that is very true. But like this class of people are already in Miami. They're already coming through cities like Miami. And so it makes sense that like a city like Miami would gravitate towards crypto. 
But there's a lot of people in Miami who aren't like that. There are a lot of like working class neighborhoods. There's like huge immigrant populations here. Obviously, like Miami is like a crazy place, but like it's sort of terrifying that like this like oligarch set is like hitching their wagon to this like wildly speculative currency that they're not even going to use like currency. Yeah, exactly. And, and it doesn't make any sense. The other thing I've just sort of realized by looking at this is that we actually do know what's going to happen when crypto reaches saturation point because it's already happening, which is that basically if you have inflation with a commodity, commodity currency, so non-fiat currency, so say using gold, right? If you have inflationary pressures on it, one of two things basically happen. Over time, you either find more of it, so you literally find some more gold in, in the yeah. Americas or whatever, or it starts to be debased, as in people carve chunks off it and turn it into new coins. That's not going to work with this, with Bitcoin, because you can't do either of those things. Right. So we end up with a load of inflationary pressure. But I think the version of Bitcoin debasement is just someone starting a new coin. Ah, I Because see. like, and I think what you end up with is dozens and dozens and dozens of competing cryptocurrencies. And what it means is that you, ne- you never get any stability at all. Because, you know, if you're a new country or you're Miami, what's the advantage to Miami running on Bitcoin rather than its own cryptocurrency, which it can tell everyone, hey, get in on the ground floor of this now. Because crypto works, we know that. The city, we're only going to say, is only going to take our coin. So that's immediately, people have got to buy it. Starts the price rising, everyone jumps in, gets the price up. Miami owns a bunch of it at the start, and so they have money. And that's it solved. But then, you know, Dade County goes, well, hang on, we could do this again. We could do Dade coin. Right. And then whatever village other coin goes, well, we could do this again. And, like, and I think that's what you end up with. And you end up with dozens and dozens of competing cryptos. That's a nightmare. What you just said is an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> but also, that is happening. Like, you go to any crypto exchange, and there's like 10,000 cryptos, and half of them are memes, and it's like, well, what are we doing here? Okay. And I think that is kind of it. And I think, I understand why crypto people are like, very anti the idea of Dogecoin, it's not a real crypto. It's like, well, sure, but it actually is. This is the future of your industry. Right. Well, so what you're describing is kind of like this endless parade of company towns that essentially have their own, like... You know, like Scrip, like the the sort of like company money yeah. that like workers in like Appalachia were paid in that wasn't real money. I was very proud of a pun that I made when Facebook announced it was launching a cryptocurrency where I said, oh, it'll be used as a cryptocurrency. Good. That's, that's well done. I Yeah. yeah I, that's, I, that's how you get those Webby nominations. That's how, I, that's how I got a, that's how Garbage Day, the newsletter got nominated for two Webbies this week. Fun fact for people listening. Content mines next year, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but what is really like terrifying in this idea that you've just sketched out that I now will no longer ever be able to shake from my head, which is that just like, I mean, it's essentially feudalism. Like it's just, it's crypto feudalism. It would be the idea of like, oh, I have all of my Miami coins on my phone, but if I drive over to Tampa, I need a bunch of like Tampa coins and I have to like go to, I have to like log into my exchange and like figure out the exchange rate. And like, that's just, that's a mess. That's an absolute fucking mess. Maybe what we need is some sort of new currency that isn't based on crypto, but is instead just like a universal currency that you can use like across an entire country, for example. Like, I don't know. We can call like it- Robux? Like the Roblox money? No, I was actually thinking uh, US dollars. Oh, um, right. Well, that's, I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, but the, I think you're exactly right. I think you, you've literally hit it on the head, which is that like, it, like it will start with major cities like Miami and New York. And then like, Already we're seeing Miami and Albany become two distinct crypto markets, and they're both kind of run by insane people who love money. And so what's to stop Eric Adams from being like, yeah, you can get like a tax benefit if you pay your taxes in 
NYC coin. And then Albany's like, yeah, but if you need to pay your state taxes, you get a, a tax benefit if you pay in Albany bucks. And it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. It's a, it's an absolute rat's nest. Yeah, sounds it. Well, I'm very excited for my week here in Miami uh, for Bitcoin 2022. I will be uh, covering it in the Garbage A newsletter. By the time you hear this, I will be on the ground in the convention, hobnobbing with the rich and powerful tastemakers of Web3. So please bother me on Twitter and Discord if you want to, if you want any exclusive access to Jordan B. Peterson, who's speaking here this week. Yeah, great. And then I'll be I'll be sharing my thoughts in our final part of this crypto series next week, um, and then we should like move on from crypto for a little bit. I feel like I'll, I'll be pretty cryptoed out. I mean, my interest in crypto is much like the crypto market itself, flatlining. Yeah, I'm actually kind of losing interest as well. Uh, it's really weird how like every six months something really interesting happens, and then it lasts for like approximately three days, and I just like don't care anymore. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's like that. That is how attention spans work now. Oh yeah, that is true. And also, if you're in Miami and you uh, you, you you want you want to meet up, let me know. As long as you promise not to murder me because of some weird parasocial relationship you have with me because of our proximity on the internet. Cool. Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane while you're recovering from COVID? I mean, I, I should point out, hey, I still have COVID. I'm still in the throes of COVID. <laughs> hey, hey, and I want to thank you for doing this while having COVID. And once again, if listeners can figure out which episode, uh, I'm going to say in the last six months I recorded while I had COVID, uh, I will send you something fun in the mail if you can figure it out. Cool. Yeah, no, I, so what did I watch this week? Uh, I finished inventing Anna. How was it? Mm, good, but odd. Okay. I know it feeds into one of my prevailing theories about every single thing on Netflix. Okay. We're going to do another Galaxy Brain Netflix take this week. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I may have already done this one. <laughs> no, but it's fine. I mean, like, you, you got COVID. You're, you know, you might have the brain fog. It could be happening. Uh, I want to talk about Moon Knight. Oh, okay. I have not seen this yet, but I'm into this. Oh, really? Okay. Well, there's not much to spoil, but like, let's talk about, okay, cool. So we're going to talk about eventing Anna and Moon Knight over at our mini-sode, which is for paying subscribers only. You can head over to thecontentminds.com, contentminds.com slash subscribe, whatever is easiest. And you can uh, check that out over there. And I want to thank our editor, Seven Morris, for the lovely soundscapes and for cutting out all of Luke's many coughs and sneezes and face liquid noises. Yeah. It's not been great. His, uh, his man juice is i guess all right have a good week everybody and uh see you next week bye bye yeah